Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photography is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at FreshBooks.com. That's FreshBooks.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to Squarespace.com TWIP and be sure to check out their annual plans for savings of up to 20% off. This week on TWIP, Adobe jumps into the subscription model business. Instagram escapes the matrix, and are film cameras finally dead? It's Saturday, April 16th, 2011, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to another episode of TWIP, your weekly source of photographic inspiration. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. And joining me today on the show are Mr. Alex Lindsay, Derek Story, and Mr. Moose Peterson. Hey, guys. Howdy. Hey. All right. Uh, who's new? So, Moose, I think you, you have the, uh, the, the distinction of being the person that hasn't been on the show in the longest amount of time. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing, doing okay. Have you, uh, what have you been up to in the last, say, six months or so? Uh, being a photographer, shooting a lot and uh, traveling. Shooting and the, traveling. Uh, Anything interesting on either oh. front? <laughs> well, it depends on your point of view. To me, it's <laughs> bloody fascinating. To some other people, it's like, seriously, you do that? You were traveling to somewhere shooting like a hubcaps or something, right? <laughs> what, what were you? Well, not hubcaps, but yeah. It uh, to put it in the common terms, uh, most of my work right now is uh, aviation. As in old ward birds from World War II. Yep. And that is uh, squeezed in uh, with all my wildlife work. Now, sitting, or not sitting, but, you know, yesterday I was standing literally in one spot for six hours waiting for some bunnies to come out. All right. We are are definitely going to explore that in the show. (laughs) So to me, uh, that is incredibly interesting, and I love it. Some of the people that go, seriously, you stood somewhere for six hours yeah. waiting for a rabbit. So, it, like I said, it all depends on your point of view. But to me, uh, uh, life is incredibly good to us, and we just keep on being very busy doing those things that uh, we love to do and we think needs to be done. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Also on the line uh, is Mr. Derek Story. Hey, Derek, what have, what have you been up to? I think you have another workshop under your belt since last we spoke. I have another workshop under my belt, and I've actually been home for two weeks, and I just love it. <laughs> I'm actually getting caught, I'm getting caught up. I like all my laundry's done. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> you can stop buying clothes, you mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just smiling ear to ear. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, welcome back to the show, Derek. And also on the line is Mr. Alex Lindsay, back from I, who knows where. Where, <laughs> where? I was in uh, I was in L.A. for 3D training three weeks ago, and that was the last time I was home. I just got home yesterday. I um, I uh, was in three doing stereo uh, filming uh, or, or stereo training at the Sony at, at the Cul- in Culver City's uh, in Sony's studios. Oh and, yeah, I know that I know that place well. I used to live right 
down the street from there. Yeah, yeah. So we were there shooting, which was a fantastic course. And then I, uh, and then I was, in, we were doing live streams in Paris, and then I ended up at NAB last week. And uh, as you can hear, my, my voice is still a little crackly. I've been talking <laughs> five days straight. You're trying to get the, the trade show air out of your lungs. And- yeah, totally. Well, Twit had a uh, booth right in the very front of the South Hall. So Twit was, you know, kind of uh, towering over the... Uh, the entire group, and then we did a bunch of live streams for the Pixel Core. So Leo, Leo was on his perch, kind of overlooking yes. the pride, like Simba, kind of. Thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and every once in a while, he kind of roared. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> it was but anyway, it was a lot of fun, and uh, but it's really good to be home. Awesome. All right, well, welcome back to the show. All right, well, let's uh, before we jump into it, Alex, who is the uh, who's our first wonderful sponsor? We would like to thank, of course, FreshBooks. Now, for, the, for a lot of you out there, you're photographers and, uh, uh, and all kinds of other business folks that are, that are doing your stuff. And one of the biggest problems that we get into is invoicing. I, I know that for me, I would have some, some invoices get delayed for weeks, <laughs> sometimes months, because I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't know where the last format is. and I don't want it to look like crap. And, you know, there's always this thing like you don't want it to look bad. You don't want it to. Uh, you're trying to figure out, um, but you don't have anything ready to go, and you don't you haven't figured out the format. And you can't remember what the invoice number was, and you know what, what should I do here? And you don't, and you, and, and again, all of this is in this underline, like don't look stupid in front of the client. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's the whole thing because how you send out anything, any communication you have with your client uh, says something about you. It says whether you're organized and whether, and, and they're going to make assumptions if if you send out uh, little uh, invoices that don't quite make sense and don't look very good. They're going to assume you're kind of a fly-by-night kind of operation. You, yeah. know, you send out something that is See, organized. That's, Sorry? That's one of the great benefits of being a wildlife photographer. I could just put a muddy paw print on there and send it off, and they go, yep, <laughs> yeah. that works. Yeah, there's moves. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, crayons. Right, exactly. Tears, so, no so you know, for, but for a lot of but for a lot of folks, you know, they need more than a footprint. You know, that's that's a deer a deer print is not enough for all of us. Um, it, although, you know, it, it could be for a, a surprising number of people. Some people actually need to look organized. They have corporate clients who have different expectations, and so so the uh, you know, fre- what FreshBooks basically lets you do all of this online. They 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 allow you to. You have a lot of uh, templates to work with. You can build one that looks great, that's organized. Uh, you can send that PDF directly to your clients. Your clients can even pay via PayPal and uh, 11 other electronic payment services. Uh, so the, cre- the client can just use their credit card. They can just pay you online. They don't even have to send you anything. If you want to send them a, uh, you know, an actual physical uh, invoice, FreshBooks will manage that for you for a small small fee, about $1.39 per invoice. Um, and, uh, and you can also have automated late payments. So you don't have to send the email. You could just have you know, your people, you know, FreshBooks people. <laughs> nice. People. Uh, send it to their people saying, "Hey, uh, it's been 45 days, and uh, we need we need the money." So, so you could you can uh, you can send that there. Uh, you can also have you can they have a little program that you can on your iPhone. You can be sitting there tracking your hours and have that all flow into your invoice automatically. So, there's a lot of things that allow you to just kind of organize all of this stuff, uh, make it look very official. And when you make it look more official, when you get it done on time, when you when you put all that stuff together. You get paid faster. I mean, you really do get paid faster when the when things are organized. And so, um, you can do up to for free. You can do up to three of your clients. So now, now if you're like me, I think the first like uh, five years of my freelancing, I never had more than three clients. So um, uh, so anyway, so if you uh, if you're like me, uh, you'll, you you probably don't have you know. You might be getting started here, and uh, now you can for very small amounts. Uh, you can slowly grow into it. If you've got ten clients or twenty clients, all of that stuff can be managed in FreshBooks.com. Uh, so sign up for your free account, and uh, and one of the things, if you sign up today, uh, every day, every day, FreshBooks is giving away a uh, birthday cake. 
it doesn't even. Your, they're not going to wait until your birthday. They're just going to send you birthday cake. And you guys, what's funny is, is that uh, one of our uh, one of our producers who who invoices us via FreshBooks um, uh, actually got a cake, nice. and it was really good. So uh, so anyway, so we, we we did have it as an office cake. It was the office birthday cake, and so uh, so anyway, they draw a name uh, every day for. Uh, they're going to do, do it for the rest of the month. So you definitely want to check that out. Go to freshbooks.com, and when they ask you who sent you, of course you got to tell them that Twip sent you. There's a lot of other people advertising. FreshBooks is advertising with a lot of people. You got to let them know uh, where you came from. So when you go to freshbooks.com, let them know that Twip sent you. And, uh, and definitely check it out. If you're doing invoices, I know there's a lot of you out there that have been thinking that this is, a, this is a, you know, something that I have, to, I have to figure out how to organize. And this is the way to do it. FreshBooks.com. Thanks, right. Fred. Cool. Thanks, Alex. All right. Uh, let's jump right into it. There's some interesting news going on this week. And story number one that I want to chat about is about our friends down at Adobe. They've made some changes to their pricing model for Photoshop and the Creative Suite. So let's... Uh, uh, Derek, I know you know all about this because you're you're an educator and you're always talking about this kind of stuff. What you want to describe what the pricing change was? Well, uh, I mean, what they're doing is they're they're allowing a subscription model now. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I, you know, it's funny when you sort of do the math, uh, it it works out to be very similar to if you. You know, if you use it all the time, if you if you just bought it once, uh, they're on about an eighteen month cycle, and I think it's what about fifty dollars a month yeah. uh, for the subscription. So it, you know, it, it comes out uh, what about four hundred twenty bucks a year, something like that. So I think it's just a different way to to go about it, and and for folks that uh, you know need something a little bit more flexible, uh, it's it's a great way. I personally, I, I like just having Photoshop sit on my computer and just be there and uh so I, I like the traditional way i'm a traditional guy that way i like getting the little updates for my adobe camera raw and yeah. all that good stuff but i think what they're trying to do really it, and this is always a good thing is when you're looking at the market and you see that the market is is adjusting and changing the way it does business i think they're trying to adjust with it and and you always you know you always want like it when businesses are trying to adapt to people's needs. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. Think as, a, as, a, as a small production house, this is really big for us because we don't want it on every computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what we, you know, typically, uh, we have a lot of, uh, we do a lot of work in Photoshop, but even more work in After Effects. And uh, one of the things that um, is an issue for us as we go down this path is that, is that, you know, we have a client, we need five more seats for the next month or two months. And, uh, you know, because there's some big project that's going to flow through our system. And what's really painful about that project is a huge part of that margin gets eaten up by us having to buy a bunch of, a bunch of new creative suites. You know, so, you know, because it tends to not make sense just to buy the applications by themselves. So you end up spending, you know, whatever, $1,500 or $2,000 or $2,500, depending on which suite you need. Yeah. And you buy all these suites, and then that was like the entire margin for the project was just to get the software that you needed to do it. You know, and, it, and it, you know, and it's just, and, and then you hope that you're going to keep on getting that work because right. you're not able to, you know, make that work. So being able to just go, you know what, we're going to pay seventy-five bucks a month or a hundred dollars a month for the next couple months for After Effects for, uh, you know, for each license, yeah, makes a ton of sense for small businesses. And then what happens is we get busier and busier and busier, and before you know it, um, we're not, you know, we're, you know, before you know it, we're no longer. Uh, um, you know, we just we just buy them. Yeah. So, so or, at what point does it make sense to just you know? I mean, just I mean, yeah. I understand being able to split it up, and I think that's brilliant. But for the 
the average person, this it doesn't sound like this makes sense, right? Because you just I don't know. I mean, I think that because the way the way they have it built up per year, and and I talked to somebody um, at Adobe who I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say this, so I'm not going to say who it was. Yeah. But you know, they said that the most popular uh, most popular option was yearly. So huh. it was not the monthly month to month. It was really just someone said, "I just want to subscribe to a year." Because the thing to remember is, is that also when you're figuring out your numbers for the IRS and and uh, for billing and everything else, a lot of times a lease. There's a good reason why everyone leases everything, you know, in business is because it's just easier from a accrual basis to kind of manage all of that um, yeah. from a financial perspective. So, so leasing all of that just you know math makes sense, and you're not really paying much of a premium. Um, I I could definitely see uh, a process a process where people got into the habit of doing this, and then you know because as as Derek pointed out, it's almost the same as the upgrade path, yeah. you know. And if enough people subscribe with subscription models, one of the interesting things is is that if enough people do it, it could get to a point where they're just kind of pushing up updates, and they're not doing updates every eighteen months; they're doing updates every two months, you know, for the people that are in subscription. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, yeah. we got a new feature. Here it is. Hey, we got I, this is where I think Adobe could go with this, which is the su- subscribers actually end up with the features before people buying it because they're you know they're subscribers, and so this is what I would do if I was Adobe. Yeah, I would love to see it go and just I've been saying this for a while. Just I would love to have it modular, so I could just buy the the skeleton of an application, say Photoshop, and yeah. then add on to that. You know what? Right now, even even make the pieces subs- make those yep. subscribable. I can I want to subscribe to the video aspect of Photoshop. Well, for the next six months, you know, while I do I, this project, then it can go away. You know, I think we're, we're going to see that with Final Cut Pro, aren't we? I mean, is, isn't that the path that Apple's going to go, where they're going to make Final Cut Pro you, the, the basic available in the Mac App Store? And then, there's a lot of things that are unknown about Final Cut. Yeah. You, know, you know, Apple, I was at the, at the event on Tuesday, and uh, they, you know, this is, not a, this is photography, so we'll talk about it mostly from a price perspective, because it does affect the photographers based on in Adobe. Is that you're talking about Apple now making a? Um, they are you know taking Final Cut from a bundle of fifteen hundred or twelve ninety nine and making the individual application two ninety nine. Now mm-hmm. we don't know how much the other applications are going to cost right. or even if they right. even exist. We already saw Aperture drop to a third of the price that it was before, and that puts a lot of pressure. Makes it really hard to calc- you know to buy something else love if you are act- shifting it. They're shifting everything. I love that. That's well, and they're making it easier. And and one thing we don't know is how is Apple going to handle updates for Aperture or Final Cut? Right. Um, are they going to? Because Apple doesn't really need to. Um, this is the crazy thing. They don't really need to charge upgrades, upgrade paths because they want you to just keep on using their computers. Yeah. So yeah. Moose, an app- Moose, what about what about the 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 way that you use Photoshop? Do you think a subscription model on this stuff would help or or? I mean, do you even care? It's just like you know, I buy my I buy the application two years every two years, and then go from there. Now that's my subscription. And when it's well, less expensive, it doesn't matter. I think your your conversation is is right on for a stratosphere part of the market. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about a big house, people making money at this stuff. Yeah. But if you look at any of the photographic marketplace, the percentage of that marketplace that is quote unquote professional making their living from it. It's, you know, back in the days of Kodak, you know, they looked said 1% of their marketplace was professional. The rest of it was the advanced amateur, the amateur. And you're talking about a group of people, if you were to bring it to current terms, they're doing really good, a lot of them, just figuring out how to do a curve layer. So figuring out what module they need to buy talks about education base, which I think for a lot of them isn't there to be able to make the purchase. I'm not sure if Photoshop makes sense for that for that audience. I mean, I think that when you you know when, if, if you're listening, we get a lot of it. Uh, however, which part of the suite you want to talk about? I just you know from a 
just from my point of view, uh, looking at the people that I spend a lot of time with educating, it'd be very hard to, to, to bring them up to a point where you need to buy this module for this for a month to do that project. Um, I see a big void between application and education and applying it all. For me personally, uh, I'm going to buy the whole suite for every reason from business to taxes to the fact that I'm in the middle of nowhere where there is no, a lot of times, no electricity, let alone internet. And if I'm working on something, all of a sudden the subscription runs out. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm toast. Um, and then work comes to a halt. And that in itself, that, that possibility that I can't work because of that, I, I can't go there. I'd have to own it just so that never comes up. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they do it. The, yeah, I, I, the few I, I, people I, I've talked to so far, they're saying, why, what? Subscription? What is this? A magazine? They're just totally baffled by the whole concept. Oh yeah, yeah. you know, as someone, if if I, I guess what I would say is, if I'm not making money, I'm not. I would, if I wasn't making money doing this, I wouldn't have any of the Adobe Creative Suite. You know, I'd be using Elements or Aperture or Lightroom or, or I'd be using you know Photo, uh, you know Photomator or what is it? Is that right? Anything other than um, these complicated programs. Well, these are, big, yep. this, these applications are way too complex for someone who's not making money at it, in my opinion. You know, so like that, you know, that begs the question then: What kind of business model is Adobe going after to make well, there's, this? There's there's 20 million people who pay for Photoshop. So the, <laughs> so that you know yeah. more than <laughs> people that pay for Photoshop. So that's a it's a real number. You know, I mean that's um, and uh, and so so with 20 million paying professionals using. Um, Photoshop, that's the market I think that they're going after, is many of them are, are basically doing what I do, which is that I have, um, uh, I have a handful of copies of CS5, and then I, have a whole, I had a whole slew of copies of, uh, I had a site license of CS2. So, so I've got a whole slew of copies of CS2 that still run on some of the machines, and then for some of the other machines I have Photoshop Elements, I'm not going to Photoshop 5 because I don't need any of those features, so I don't need a lot of them. When I need them, I begrudgingly buy another copy. Mm. What they're hoping to do is convert companies like mine that have three copies, you know, or one copy for every three or four employees, you know, on, on the single machines where we absolutely need it. And, and literally, we have guys use those machines that have CS5 on them because that has that one feature that we need. Um, and have our that high makes sense. That makes yeah. perfect, perfect sense. But, but we, we would then subscribe and open it up. But I think that but that's the market that they're going after. I mean, CS, CS5 is a professional tool for a professional market. It's, it's, so I think that, and I definitely think for people like you that are going to be in the middle of nowhere, I spend a lot of time in Africa where I'd have, I have the same concern. Um, there are definitely people who are going to want to keep on buying the application. You know, and there's definitely people who it just makes sense. There's a creature comfort to it. Uh, but I do have to say as, as someone who... Uh, I think I'm probably my company's probably one of their target audiences, you know, and and I think that for us it just makes absolute sense. Uh, as soon as they came out with it, it was like this breath of fresh air for us because we literally just keep on dropping these thousands of dollars on these creative suites. What do you, what do you think over over a year or a quarter, even Alex, that this subscription model would save you over purchasing individual licenses? I probably saves me ten thousand a quarter. Maybe uh, yeah, I mean ten thousand dollars a quarter. That I well, and this is, here's the weird thing: is it's ten thousand dollars a quarter that doesn't go to Adobe? <laughs> yeah, because because I would only be getting what I needed when I needed it. I turn it on, and I and then I turn it off. Now, the the thing is, is that it also though it allows me to make that choice because, for instance, uh, I have a lot of copies of I have more copies of Final Cut Studio, 
And and so as a result, we we push a lot of our production away from After Effects because if I do After Effects, I have I have a lot more copies of After Effects. If I push my projects away from Adobe products because I um, don't want to pay for it. I don't want to pay for After Effects, you know. And so yeah. in the same way, um, uh, we have been experimenting with lots of other image editors, stuff like Photomator and, and Acorn, and mm. trying to figure out you know because we don't want to spend money on Photoshop anymore. It's too expensive for our, you know, it's too expensive for us to put on every machine. When you get a lot of machines, suddenly you start paying a lot of it. And, and here's the deal is when you get a lot of machines and you're doing everything, you know, and you're making sure that you keep everything legal, um, you know, as, as you grow a company, you can't afford to have pirated copies of blah, blah, yeah. blah, over yeah. place. So as you do that, you become super sensitive to the fact that Photoshop cost me $700 a pop. You know, and so, so the issue is, is that, is that the, um, the pressure, the other pressure that photo, I think Adobe has to deal with is the fact that, a lot of us are now trying to figure this out. How do we not use Photoshop? Because it's too, it's too expensive as we grow for the kind of budgets that are coming out for a lot of these products. And I think that that's the, you know, and, and you're also finding things like Aperture now have brushes. They now have mm -hmm. color correction. They now have, so I'm spending $79 and a lot of the work that we do, we can do all inside of Aperture. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, it would lead us, we would, Assume that we can keep that we will continue to get more features <laughs> from from Apple, you know, in iPhoto and Aperture that they have to keep pay attention to. So if that if that jump, if it's nothing or seven hundred dollars, it's it's just harder to sell into that market. In the same way that you know, cars are mostly sold via lease, you know, or loan because yeah. we don't. I don't want to come up with you know twenty five thousand dollars for my CRB. Right now, Derek, Derek, do you ever see or foresee a day when you would just not need to go into Photoshop anymore. And in fact, could not even, even elements, you know, where you could it, you know, using some of these, these applications like Alex mentioned, Acorn and all these, these really mm -hmm. limited use type pieces of software. Can you see a day when you'd be doing that kind of stuff? Uh, it would be interesting. You know, I do probably 90% of the work in Aperture or Lightroom. And then, but there is still a good 5% where I need Photoshop and Photoshop is, you know, the best tool for it. So I need to have it on the machine. I don't go there as much as, as much as I used to. And I actually like working in the non-destructive editors better. I enjoy it more, but uh, I still need it. And until, until either Lightroom or Aperture or whoever else has those other little those other little things. Uh, I'll probably continue. Like right now, one of the things that I that I use a lot is uh, the lens correction. Uh, you know, and, pick, and that's in Lightroom and that's in Adobe Camera Raw. It's not in Aperture. And sometimes I use it just to look at a lens and, and see how the distortion is on that particular lens, especially when I'm writing reviews. Yeah. So there's always little things that uh, for me, I just have to keep it around. Yeah. Oh, and it's it's state of the art. I mean, it is the it's the um the best application in the world to do what it does. So 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 it, you know But that's the problem. It's the best application in the world to do everything. Right. right. <laughs> and and the only issue is does everybody need everything? Should well, we you know, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Frederick. I think that's a great point. And I think one of the things that I tell people when I'm, you know, in my educator mode is don't try to learn everything, yeah. <laughs> you know, really, uh, you know, learn, learn what you need to do and learn how to do it well, you know, put together your workflow. And then as you need to learn new things, learn new things, but don't let it overwhelm you. It's, it's not designed for you to know everything about it. It's designed to be able to do what you needed to do when you needed to do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you sort of learn as you go. And well, I, I think people get over, they let themselves get overwhelmed with it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, uh, 
I commonly say, it's not what you know, it's how well you Google. You know, and, <laughs> right, yeah. and there's this temptation. In the old days, there was this temptation that I'm going to take a bunch of classes, I'm going to learn everything, everything about an application. Oh, but yeah. the reality is, is that you know, nowadays with lynda.com, with uh, Google, <laughs> with a thousand other sites that support Photoshop, what there really is to do is figure out what you want to do. Like yeah. you open up Photoshop, there's a couple things that you, you, you need to know how to do, the basics of how things piece together. But then after that, all there is to do is for you to start figuring out what you want to do and then start Googling. You know, and, yeah. and you just, and, uh, you know, in the office, people ask me questions. And I look at them and I'm like, your Google is as good as mine. You know, you know and, and, uh, and, the, and the key is, is that they can go find that. And you can find all of that stuff on, online and, and pull all that stuff in and, and learn it as you need it. And it's, it's a way better way to learn in a lot of ways. Now, the key I is, think build, so. you know, because cause now you have a reason. You know why that tool is there now because you used it for something that you needed rather than just randomly learning how to use the clone tool or the levels correction or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's hard when you're learning an application to understand why all these things are necessary until you've done it for a little while or until you had a real life case that, it, that you needed to solve. It's really funny because uh, now when I teach, like for instance, I teach Aperture a lot. and Usually I like to teach it over two days. But every year that I teach Aperture workshops, it's funny, I teach less and less every year. And we try to get better and better at what we do in the workshop itself. And I used to have this you know, desire, I, I want you to know everything there is to know about it. Well, first of all, the application got too big to do that. But then second of all, uh, I was concerned that what I was teaching wasn't staying with the students after they left. And, yeah. and I really, you know, it, boy, it's like math and anything else. Once you learn the basic foundations, the, the, you know, the, the, the core of the thing, then you can, you know, then you can go off and, and kind of pick up the rest of the stuff, like Alex said, either through Googling or however you need to do it. Yeah. But really getting, you know, understanding the basics, I think, is more important to me now when I teach applications. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, uh, let's move on, guys. The story number two is about a um, small little application called, well, it's called Postagram, but it integrates with Instagram. Now, are all you guys using Instagram or that it's an iPhone application? Are, you, are we using that? Nope. I have it. I don't know how, how often I use it, but I definitely have it. Yeah, see, it seems it's almost binary. It's like Twitter. Some Either you're using it or you're not using it. And if you're using it, you're rabid on it. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. <laughs> So anyway, it's a it's an iPhone application. Instagram is that lets you take photos and instantly apply preset effects to it, then share it out to your social networks simultaneously. So basically, you take a picture, edit it, and then add some text and hit send, and suddenly it's on Flickr, Twitter, Facebook, you know, and the Instagram site. Well, it's a company called Postagram has hooked into the APIs in Instagram to allow you to access your feed and then order a postcard from your feed for from your feed for a dollar and send it to someone. So basically it's sending postgrams, you know, from or postcards from Instagram. Now, uh, Moose, I wanted to throw this to you first. Um, what do you think about this? Are, first of all, are you using either of these applications like Instagram or Postagram? And if not, you know, what what do you think is the ideal way for people to share images out? Uh, I am not using it. Uh, the best way to share images, I wish I had that answer, because uh, <laughs> sharing, uh, you know, taking photographs and leaving them in a filing cabinet or in a hard drive is like why you take the picture. Yeah. So that is important. And sharing it, well, you know, a lot of the uh, social networking, uh, people look at their monitor, and lordy, most of them don't calibrate that monitor. So... Other than some basic idea of the concept, a lot of the subtleties are going to be lost. 
Um, but, you know, that's a damn good question, which I don't have the answer to. I mean, is it, is it best, you know, like, it's, say you're not, you're not on, a, on a, you know, a paid job and you're out just sort of shooting or on vacation with your family. Does it make sense to have a system like this in place so you can, br- so you can bring your images out of the, you know, sort of matrix and let them manifest in the real world in someone's mailbox? I mean, does that, that going from digital to physical media, is that even still relevant today since we can email and Facebook? You know, there, there's a lot of things that go into it. So you bring up Facebook, where when you post an image there, you've just given away the rights to your image. Uh, that, right off the bat, to me, is a major concern. So putting anything that's coming out of my D3X up on Facebook yeah. ain't going to happen. Right. Uh, I do post both our images both to Twitter and to Facebook, but they're from the iPhone. Uh, and I use the iPhone because... Image quality, hey, have at it, you know, yeah. uh, once it gets posted. The next thing is uh, to, to bring out the best color out of that iPhone, I use a thing called True HDR, And mm-hmm. it's a simple app that allows me to, to first say this is the highlights, this is the shadows. It combines them, does a great job, brings out the colors very quickly. And what I do is I've been posting for, I guess, about three years now, a simple thing that I call the office. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just a, a quick photograph of where I am shooting at that moment. Uh, just give people an idea of what their wild heritage is all about, what's out there waiting for them. That's cool. Everybody has to kind of come up with, you know, I see people's plate of spaghetti and their <laughs> other weird things. And if that's how they communicate with their friends, then they need to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, Photographs since you know the 1800s are all about instilling imagination and taking people to places they normally don't get to or aren't fortunate to get to. And so, whatever you use, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, your blog, any way you can keep that forward emotion to sharing images and grabbing imagination, uh, I'm all for. Yeah, yeah, Alex. What about you? I mean, the, this whole Instagram phenomena you know so it, like bringing just, but but specifically bringing the photos into the real world i mean does that, I, I, that make sense so i i find this very funny 19 uh 1993 my first business plan that i ever wrote was for <laughs> to put cameras uh in it never went anywhere but it was uh to put cameras at places like the um uh you know like the grand canyon and and so on and so forth where people could take a picture and then it would send a, and then you could print a postcard <laughs> so yeah. send, send people hey i was here you know rather than having just because i hate what i hate a postcard i mean i hate postcards that are just of the location because it's like what a, the picture that everybody took and there's nobody in it and it's not personal it's not you know and so i i think that there is a definitely a uh, i you know i've wanted to do something like this for 20 years um and it, it's gotten to the point where uh, you know, there is something about it, a physical photo that I think is, is very uh, alluring. My mom, you know, still loves physical photos. Yeah, yeah, and, I agree. And, the, uh, and so I send, you know, every, every, about every month, I pick out a, some of the best photos I've taken of my kids. And in iPhoto, I just simply select male. <laughs> you know, I, my mom, I have like a, you know, my mom is in the auto fill, so it doesn't take very much. I just go boom and it costs me whatever, $2 each or a dollar each, whatever. Yeah. And she gets these great little four by six prints and, and then she's happy. And so, and, and, and then the other thing that I do a lot of is I got kind of hooked on it, um, is making books. So I made a book of, you know, St. Martin recently when my wife and I were there, I just, just, fin- I'm just finishing the one from Paris. 
And, um, and it's turned into this huge game where my wife and I will sit there and take crazy photos. My wife was completely like, oh, I, I hate it when you take photos, too. As soon as she got the first book, she's now like the biggest ham you've ever, ever seen. Like, you know, just goofy, goofy, goofy and having a lot of fun. Um, and so we've got some of the best photos of, of Paris, um, you know, of her being uh, uh, nutty. And, uh, and the kids love them. They love looking through the books. They love, even though they love, their iP- they love playing with their iPad and they love looking at the iPad, they, there is something about looking through those books, I think, that is, that is interesting. So I think books are great. I, I think the Instagram thing is a lot of fun. I, I, guess I haven't used it. I actually think that this is something that could get me kind of interested in playing around with it because, um, you know, sending friends. So I spend a lot of time overseas. I don't really want to send the postcard from Rwanda, to be honest with you. I know people get really into the stamp. You know the, you know the, the yeah, stamp? Yeah. stamp but I, but it'd be kind of fun if I'm in Rwanda or Tanzania or Japan or whatever, being able to do this and just know quickly that I can send out a couple of postcards yeah. without actually. But even though it doesn't have the stamp, it's personally me there and I'm there right now and, and they're getting the photo, you know. And, and so, so I actually think it's really an interesting, uh, an interesting model. I could definitely see myself being more like I didn't really get instant photo, insta photo because I was like, I can take pictures with my Twitter. You know, like when I'm in Twitter, I can take pictures and post them. I don't know why I would. Yeah, yeah. Use Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that was that yeah, was that was kind of when I looked at it. I was you, like, have I to, you have to try it to understand. <laughs> I know, I know, you, I know. One of one of my wife's favorite photos of me is one that actually Frederick shot uh, at that Japanese restaurant. Oh yeah, you did that with Instagram, didn't you? I did that. Uh, no, I didn't use Instagram on that. Oh, I used Tilt Shift Gin on that one. Oh, okay. So she she loves that photo. She's That's like, awesome. she's like, do you have a high res version? I was like, not really. It was shot in the iPhone. You know, I mean, or, or in the uh, iPhone, and she was very. That's fun. awesome. So yeah, anyway. d- Derek's story. Uh, I wanted since you're, I know you're an educator, and you use all these tools all the time, and you know, you know the ins and outs of them. So I was gonna, I wanted to hypothesize something with you. So what if, you know, speaking of all this, you know, Instagram, sending it to the real world, all that. Would it would it make sense for Apple just to build this into the Photos application in, in the iPhone? Speaking, you know, notwithstanding Android and all that, but on the iPhone to to integrate iPhoto's already robust book and print engine <clears throat> into an application that's already in the phone. Should, you think we're going to see that? Well, you know, you know, they're looking at it. Uh, uh, Bill Atkinson actually he has an application. Uh, that's been out for a while called PhotoCard, and it's essentially the same thing as you know what we're talking about here, where you take a picture with your with your iPhone, and and then you know you write the the stuff on it, and then you you upload it, and then Bill actually prints it <laughs> and sends a, and sends a really nice postcard because of you know this guy knows printing inside and out. You know, Bill Atkins is one of the original uh, software on the original software team for the Mac, and guy that came up with hypercard and all that stuff yeah. so it, it it's around and uh it's it's on everyone's radar i think probably the the business model for it is is better suited for a, a smaller company than you know maybe apple investing to to add it on but you know these things are going to be around and just like oh, so many things that we talk about uh you know uh, film's not going away uh, paper's not going away books not going away postcards won't go away all these things they'll just you know they'll just keep cropping up in these other uh different fun forms yeah yeah it's interesting that we haven't seen an app and and maybe i just haven't seen it you know on on either platform uh mobile whether it's a tablet or on the phone that is that lets you make like books and print them like iphoto is so i haven't seen that yet have either of you guys seen that uh i haven't no no Hmm. no 
All right. Not yet. There's a business plan right there. You, you there heard you it go. first. TM copyright. <laughs> I think uh, Alex Alex just sent me a text message. He dropped off because his internet went off. Somehow. Oh. Some, yeah. Apparently Skype needs the internet. I don't know what's up with that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but we will continue. The show will go on. Um, so here's the, another, the next story that I want to chat about just briefly on this one is uh, we've been seeing these concepts most of them April Fool's jokes, but these concepts for how to take your your 35 millimeter film based camera and you know here's a here's an industrial design of how you'd put like a digital film cartridge into it and shoot film and then have that processed. Do you think Moose specifically, if if this was even available and you, I'm sure you still have your film some film cameras available, would you be inclined to modify it so that it could take digital pictures or is this just you know insane? You know, they actually, there was such an item uh, that came out back in... Uh, oh, a real, 90, a real 90, device? Yeah. Oh. It, uh, it kind of, it didn't look like it was a film canister that had a, CC, uh, a CMOS attached to it. Uh, and it was bloody expensive, especially back then. Would I do it? No, there's absolutely no, uh, there's absolutely no economic advantage to doing that. Uh, the first thing right off the bat is, yeah, you could have digital... But the, the autofocus systems of any of the film cameras, uh, including the F6, are now pretty obsolete. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, at least for me as a photographer, one of the main goals is to uh, be a photographer, which means every single variable of that process, from exposure to focus, if that can be in the background, so all you have to do is concentrate what's inside that viewfinder, then you can be a photographer. It makes the process not only funner, but more successful. So if you have to sit there and think about all those other attributes that would come in from a film camera, it just it just it just complicates the whole system. Yeah, it becomes uh, why why graft why graft a, a modern Ferrari engine into an old station wagon, right? And the, the next thing is, I don't know about anybody else, but I already have a, a challenge walking and chewing gum. <laughs> so to add uh, that complexity to a film camera. Uh, smoke would come out of my ears, and I would probably start to tremble, and it would just be a, a layer of complication that uh, I just can't imagine forcing upon myself. Derek, what, what about you? I'm sure, like a lot of photographers, you have a bunch of film cameras laying around. Would you even, con- if this was on the market and um, was available at a reasonable reasonable price, would you buy it and stick it in one of your film cameras? I think from a nostalgic level, it's sort of interesting because you're right. I, I back when digital was coming in, I I did get rid of a lot of my film gear, but I I, I hung on to some of my favorites. For instance, I have a, a Contax RX body that I would just love to be able to to shoot with, you know, just even a little bit for fun. Yeah. Uh, and I have a I have a little Contax T, which was one of those. Oh God! Is this a, an excellent compact camera that had you know aperture ring on the lens and all that sort of stuff? So uh, you know, I think from a nostalgic level, it would be fun. I think the the key would be reasonable priced, right? Yeah. Because like as Moose is saying, you're not going to do your serious photography with this. You're you're gonna. I, I'd be in the same mode as if I wanted to take a Holga out and you know do something fun, or you know you know when you're in that kind of mood, you go, I just want to shake it up a little bit. Yeah. I, I think I think it'd be a hoot, but it'd have to be affordable. And I just look at this and I'm I'm thinking, okay, why not just go buy a roll of film, <laughs> put it in there, and well, scan it in? You know? you know, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because I, you know, I I've been thinking about that 
this week even because I you know, like I said I have been home working on projects this week and uh, and I go God I would just really love to go shoot with some of these cameras but for me to get back into the the whole film workflow right now it, it just the fantasy just sort of ends right there I <laughs> I, just, awesome. I just don't want to do it <laughs> Moose are you uh, do you do you whip out the old film camera at any point uh, never never. <laughs> We're going to get a lot of people on the forums are going to be commenting on, film is not dead. Film is not dead. Well, we're not saying it's dead. We're just not saying it's not, it's not for us. <laughs> I think there's a difference. Here's the issue. You know, if, if I was this weekend warrior, that's one thing. But I'm a business. Yeah. So when all of a sudden I have to go into, you know, I have 320,000 conventional images still sitting here that are that are always being put out there, which if it's not been scanned already, I have to go to the filing cabinet pull it out, then be anal that it's not getting scratched, put it in the scanner, scan it, and then be anal, put it back so it doesn't get scratched. Just that process of pulling slides out of a slide page, the sleeves, put it back and forth, and refiling, you might as well shoot me. Uh, that is probably <laughs> the most god-awful task in the business. And I hated making submissions in the old days because you'd have to pull them, stamp them, send them off. They come back. You have to check them for scratches, send out invoicing if they damage the image, then refile it. Holy crap. Nowadays, you send a DVD. At the end of the process, you say, please shred, and you're done. And the original is still safe and sound on your hard drive. So from a business side, I don't miss film for a second. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, if, if you're going to talk about the smell of, of uh, Fixer, if you're going to talk about <laughs> the excitement of opening up all those yellow boxes and seeing your treasures, yeah, yeah. I love that part of it. But yeah. that has nothing to do with what I do as a business. Wow. Derek, what, do you, so where are you, where are you at in this? I, I hated it so much uh, that when I used to shoot weddings, I literally just gave the bride everything. I go, here, here's the negatives. Here's, uh, you, know, you know, once they had their initial order and their book was done and everything, I just gave it all to them. I said, please never call me again. Nice. <laughs> I did never, the same thing. I gave, I, I gave it all to them. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're out of here. <laughs> I never want to see you people again as I long as I live. Have a great life. Especially the mother-in-law. <laughs> that's awesome oh well you know it you're right you're right most um or in my opinion for the stuff that you guys do maybe you're shooting professionally and out running around and there's no time you know because everyone else is shooting digital but for nostalgic reasons through- though you know just to go out like derek was saying just to you know futz around for yourself um i actually want to start looking at shooting film again put some film I- my 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 uh my uh uh, which which one do I have? The F five. You remember that one? Oh, I still have my F fives. But I'll tell you what. I dare you taking that film through TSA today. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, talk about complicating your life. Holy cow! So the it, it, what? So what happens? Are the because before you could play, you could pass film through the X ray machine. Are they? Is that no longer the case? Um, up, up to eight hundred. This is going to be published or put out there in the public forum. I'm not going to say out loud. Uh oh. It's just. It just. You know, um, it's it's. I rather deal with the, the 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 mother of the bride than a TSA agent when it comes to film. Wow, oh jeez. Now, what were you saying, Derek? Up to ISO eight hundred. They say it's safe up to eight hundred, I believe, through the through the machine. But mm. but they, they say is in quotes, though, right? They say is in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, maybe you get a little special effect there. You hadn't bargained for. 
You know, but <laughs> when I go through TSA with my 600 millimeter lens, we got to stop and look at it. Wow. It's like, and the whole world comes to an end. I can't imagine going through with 100 rolls of film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crazy. Put, put little fuses on them. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, see, Derek, now someone's going to do that, and you're going to be in trouble. See? <laughs> Take it back, dear. Take, it, take back. it back. I take it back. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. Yeah, I, know. I know. All right, guys. Uh, I just want to give a quick nod to another one of the sponsors of the show. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace.com. It's a fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. And as we've been saying over the past several weeks about Squarespace, they've got all kinds of features in there that let you basically deploy a really high-quality website or blog in record time. So all the software resides in the cloud or on their server, so there's nothing to install on your side other than your web browser. And you log in, and then from there you can create, you can manage your website or your, or your blog. You can mess with the CSS or the cascading style sheets if you feel like you want to get into that geek level of stuff. You can integrate uh, forms, Flickr, Twitter, Google Maps, all kinds of stuff is already built into it. All you got to do is jump into the really easy-to-use UI and uh, and kick it off. Now, uh, one quick thing that, uh, that I think Squarespace just kicked off. They have a new 14-day free trial. Um, yeah, so everyone still gets that. And then you can go month to month after the free trial with no commitment necessary. And now you can get 10% off for a one-year commitment after the trial or 20% off a, tw- a two-year commitment after the trial. So if you want to try this, try Squarespace. Just head over to squarespace.com forward slash TWIP. You can sign up for your account. You don't even need a credit card to sign up for this. And then after you try it out, you can uh, get your discount and for savings on their annual plans up to 20% off. That's squarespace.com forward slash twip all right it's time for some listener q a every week our producers scour the forums at thisweekinphoto.com forward slash forum to find the best questions for us to answer on the show and here are this week's question uh question number one moose i'm going to throw this one to you listener richard will wants to know the best way of protecting camera gear from sand when shooting on the beach uh well, you know, uh, I'm assuming he's talking about blowing sand. Probably, yeah, or anything. Yeah, how, do you, how, do, you, how do you keep your gear airtight? It, <clears throat> don't change lenses. <laughs> um, don't take see, it to the beach. <laughs> I'm probably not the best person to ask this question of because I don't really worry about it. Here's the thing. If, if it's a photograph that I have to have, right, then that's that. Uh, and if the price tag is possible damage the gear uh i go there so for example work in the arctic it's minus 42 and it's blowing a snowstorm and it's the snow is piling up in my lens shade yeah i've already made the investment to get my ass there i'm not gonna go and say oh uh maybe not today because the conditions aren't uh really conducive yeah it's like what are you gonna do come back next week <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> uh so then that's the call you make now so your gear is expendable, right? It's the shot that's if, the important thing. If you know, on the bottom line of all the investment of time and and money to get somewhere, it's sad to say, yeah, the one expendable price is the gear because it can be repaired. Now that's or, for the that's for the like, commercial shooter, but for 
Richard will, you know, if he's not, I don't know if he's saying this, that he's not a commercial shooter, but if he was just your every, everyday sort of weekend warrior photographer, you know, then the rules change, right, Derek? Yeah. Well, let me finish one thing on that go, sand thing. No, though. go for it. Because um, if we're not talking about blowing sand, because got to look at it this way. If we're talking about blowing sand, that means you're on a beach, you're probably photographing in, in, in wildlife, you're photographing shorebirds. Okay, so it means you're going to be down low in the first place. And if it's windy, you're not going to be able to, one, hold the lens steady. Two, the birds are not going to be sticking around, so getting a sharp picture out the bat, you're putting yourself in a bad scenario. But if we flip this and we're saying we're shooting in a sandy environment without the wind, the way most people get sand on their gear is from their hands. Hmm. Okay, they put their hands on the sand to, to push up, push down, to, to balance themselves. And then they tend to take that sand that's on their hands and they migrate it right to their camera gear. So whenever I'm on the beach, I always have a white towel tucked into my pants just like a quarterback would. So every time I touch the sand, I don't wipe it on my pants and I, I put it on a white towel. So then it, it gets off my hands so then I can touch my gear without migrating the wet sand that's to the gear. Tip. That's a great tip. That's a great tip. Where, where do you fall on this, Derek? But and, you know the other thing that Moose doesn't say. He also says "hut hut hut" before he <laughs> takes the shot. That's only depending on who's in the audience. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's a great tip, by the way. That's I, I love that keeping your hands clean. You, you know the migration thing happens over and over again. Just the way that dust often gets on the sensors, it migrates in off the lens, right? So blow the lens off yeah. before you before you mount it on there, yep. and you'll you'll help with that. But uh, do the basic things too. I, I would probably put a, a high quality uh, protection filter on one that's multi coated, uh, just. Uh, you know, help protect the front of the lens there. Use a lens hood that always uh, helps, you know, protect your stuff. I, I don't change lenses uh, if I don't have to. I'd rather have two bodies with the two different lenses that I think I'm going to need, uh, you know, to keep the, keep the camera sealed up. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, I'm a low pro guy, right? So, you know, carry a good bag too, you know, yeah. so, you know, to take care of your stuff. There you go. All right, Derek, I'm going to let you continue. Question number two is uh, Noah from Illinois wants to know, wants to get into film photography, which we just talked oh, about. Oh, for Pete's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but Noah wants to know, what are some good resources or books to learn about film and how to shoot with it? So I actually went over and I looked at that thread. And uh, fortunately, a lot of TWIP listeners jumped in and, and provided, I thought, some, some good advice. So I'll, I'm going to echo some of that. Yeah. And, you know, one is, uh, I think if, if you really want to do film, a great place to start is with black and white film. And the reason being is because you get to experience, it's easier to experience the whole process. You know, the, the idea of, of developing the film yourself and, and then either scanning it or, or printing it. Uh, I think in terms of uh, uh, when you're looking at composition and exposure, black and white film helps you kind of focus on, you know, uh, light and shape and so forth. You're not distracted by color and those sort of things and and i think it, it's it looks great i mean i love black and white you know one of the things that i i think i've been working on since we last talked is uh i did a review of silver effects pro 2 mm, cool you know my my digital black and white dark room and uh i still love black and white so i i say you know get get started in in, in black and white and and Can I really one other thing about that mm -hmm. i mean if you're going to start in film you might as well if you're going to go through the pain uh, 
get to the romance side of black of uh, film and black and white is the romance you know the picture it, it really everything is else. And, and it, it is. will hook you. It will hook you. Uh, there's, there is no experience like watching your print come up in D76. There's nothing like it. Yeah. Uh, and after that, it goes downhill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in terms it's, of effort to uh, get in the final image. Yeah. It, it really does. And, and the other thing that that I think is is a great idea that they didn't bring up in the forum, but that I know is that a lot of junior colleges still have uh, film labs and they still teach it. And yeah, and you can you can go there uh, fairly inexpensively and take a uh, take a course and get in a dark room that's all set up and just have a blast. So I would I would look around for uh, a local community college course and uh, you know jump into it with both feet. Now before we continue, Moose, I was going to ask you what are you, what are you using for post processing? You Aperture, Bridge, Lightroom. Uh, I just do two things. First of all, I have my own program called Digital Pro. We've oh. had it out had it out there since two thousand. Um, it's still one of the mainstreams for a lot of people who are uh, straight shooters, and they, they shoot it in the camera and get it right out to the to their editor. Oh, cool. And then uh, from that, uh, I'm shooting uh, basically a raw image workflow. So then when I s- – the image that I, I need to deal with, as in either going to make it a print or it's a landscape shot that I'm going to finish, uh, I make a copy of that NEF, and then I bring that into Photoshop using ACR – make most of everything I'm going to do with ACR, and then with a click, it's into Photoshop for the last tweaking. Uh, the one thing that I always stress when I'm teaching is flexibility, mm-hmm. speed, and quality. Uh, and that's where Photoshop comes in. Uh, if you're any, doing any kind of printing, uh, being able to use layers, and then simply making changes those layers as you change, let's say you've got an Epson 4000 printer, and then you, you get a 4900. You can't put the same file to the, both printers and get the same image. The 4900 just has so much more it can do. So having a layer that you can simply modify, delete, and then you get the same image quality out of the printer, uh, that flexibility is, is cr- critical. And yeah. then when you open a, any kind of NEF into ACR, then you bring it into Photoshop and save it as a smart object, you have that flexibility all the way back to the original NEF. And it's you got to remember that for myself, if I have to spend more than two minutes on, on any image in post, I abandon the image because I, I, I screwed up at, at point of capture, and I won't continue. After two minutes, if it's not finished, I delete it. Wow. And after ten minutes, you said? Two. Two minutes? Wow. Yeah. Derek, what about you? I mean, how much, how much time are you spending per image? Uh probably uh, right around there too i mean i the workflow that moose just outlined i think is a terrific workflow it's 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 a really that in my opinion that's the way you use photoshop you you know you go through acr and then you know use photoshop as a finishing agent and uh so if folks that use photoshop that's it right there what he just said is the way to go i i prefer uh check is in the mail by the way yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, I, I prefer uh, Aperture also, uh, you know, when I'm in my workflow. And again, especially on shoots, I can just go through really quickly. And uh, speed is important for me, not only uh, in terms of just my job, but uh, also just because I, I more prefer the shooting side of things than I do the post-processing. So uh, more time in the field, less time in front of the computer for me. Love it. Now, Moose, before we continue, uh, you mentioned Digital Pro. Where, where can folks go to, to learn about that or to download it? 
They can eat, they can get a, a full trial for the full version either from my website, moosepeterson.com, or the home site, which is proshooters.com. Perfect. All right. And we'll be sure to link to that in the, uh, the show notes for the show. All right. Uh, let's move on to question number three. Lloyd C. Hughes from Aberdeen, Scotland, says he has a, has a Canon 550D, a.k.a. a rebel in the U.S., and wants to take photos of an office's, or an office's facilities and conference rooms. He says the room's capacities could range from four to 50 people and could have windows or no windows. Any suggestions for a lens that'll be able to capture the detail up close and get good shots of the rooms without resorting to using a flash? <laughs> um, I'm going to throw this to you first, Mooks. What do you, what do you think about this? Seriously? Yeah. Me? Yeah. Yes, you. Um, okay. <laughs> light is light, Moose. <laughs> you know, there is a, there's a couple things here. Uh, one, uh, I don't think there is a recipe. Yeah. Uh, since I'm not at the event, uh, right off the bat, I don't know what's important. Is it the, the venue? Is it the people? The people using the venue? Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, those three variables change how I'm going to approach it. Uh, if the venue is it, then the people are an element, so wider would be my, the way I'd go. If, yeah. if that's not the case, okay, if it's the way the people, the venue, the people are using the venue, then I'm going to probably go to more like a 50 millimeter and probably use a 1.4 at 1.4 so the people will be sharp and the venue will be in the background uh, relating the story. And if it's the third thing, if it's the people themselves, I'm going to probably use something like a 7200 where I can stand back, be intimate with the people, and the venue itself is going to melt into to, to nothing in the background. Right. Um, and then depending on those lenses, when I'm going wide, normal or, or t- medium telephoto is what I'm going to do with the lighting uh, and what I, the lighting itself if is it all fluorescent base is it a mixture of fluorescent and track uh, and then there is to me no one recipe since I, you know, since I don't know what the point of the photograph is yeah like if the, that, if the that point was, hard. if the point was say environmental, it's an architectural firm that wants to show the interior of the building. What are the the basic things that he should bring with him if he's definitely <laughs> not going to try to light it with strobe or anything? You know, tripod. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what you can't just throw it up the sixteen hundred and go very for it. Sturdy tripod. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I would I would if if the interior is the important thing and not the exterior. Uh, I would take those windows and I would sheet them, and I would put bed sheets on them. Hmm. And the opposite side of the room, I would put flashes on there, just a couple of flashes, to, to so the light would come through that sheet, would diffuse. I'd fill in the side, put a couple of remote flashes on uh, some Justin clamps that uh, are just strictly just manly shot shooting at you know a fixed like five six. Yeah, and then work the room and just click off uh, and, and and just go. That's uh, cool. I, there's, there's, you know, is it five people? Is it 25 people? Is it, you know, a thousand? There's so many variables. I think the flexibility uh, will come with once you decide what's the subject and then just, and then boom, take the lens and go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, as you were describing that, I just saw you in this, this professional sort of uh, commercial photography situation running around, you know, and directing, put this over there, put this over there, you know, set that flash to this ISO. Now that's. First, 
first of all, moose doesn't work inside four walls, so right off the bat, it don't happen. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, if you look at my That's office. Right. Your office is out of the wilderness. I love it. My <laughs> office is literally three walls or windows. Like, there's only structurally enough here to keep the roof and the snow up, up off my head. Otherwise, I look out. I don't do well in four walls. So That's really cool. It ain't going to happen. So you're not the commercial photographer in New York City, I take it. Right. I put myself through school doing that, and it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome! Um, all right, guys, let's uh, let's move on to the next uh, sec- segment. Actually, we're in the pick of the week already, so this is the this is the time in the show when you guys get to pick your pick of the week. It could be software, hardware, gear, workshop, whatever, as long as it relates to photography. Um, Derek, I'm going to let you go first. What's your pick of the week? So, you know, I've been really enjoying uh, off-camera flash lately, mainly because some of these modifiers and i i know on the previous show i talked about light benders and now i have a new toy that i've been playing with called the rogue uh, honeycomb grid and uh it's an actual the thing that i like about these things is that they're they're tools that you can do really nice things with but they don't cost very much and they fit in your camera bag so hey, I, I, great. I love that you know they're fantastic. So I've been playing with the grid, and, uh, the grid, and it's a it's a it's a three in one. They they have a couple of little filters in there, so you can make the grid uh, the the angle of the light that it throws sixteen degrees or twenty five degrees or forty five degrees, depending on how you you move these little different filters around. And it just fits over. It just slides over uh, your flash head. And uh, I you know I put them up you know on a little stand or something, and just when you want to direct the light uh, along with the the flash vendors it 's working out really great so it 's fifty bucks that uh, works on any flash uh, that has you know a tilt flash head and uh, it 's by rogue uh, r o g u e and it 's on the expo imaging site very cool we 'll link to that yeah just yeah we 'll make sure we link to that from the show notes um, moose Peterson. What's your pick of the week? You, you know, it really is hard because I am such a geekhead, uh, toy monger, uh, beta tester that picking one, <laughs> to be seriously, is, 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 is a strain. <laughs> uh, no, really. Uh, that's one of the great things. I, I get boxes every day of, of new gizmos and toys. Uh, picking one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about a pocket camera, the new Nikon S9100 uh, Coolpix. Uh, it's here's what it is for one for first of all um, it's a no-brainer to use and I use it a lot people that always surprise the people that I have a cool pics with me uh, I always have a camera with me uh, Jay Mazel, uh, a dear friend and a, and, a, and a mentor he always goes with a camera and I would love to be able just to walk around with a big DSLR all the time it's just not practical but I always want a camera so right off the bat the Coolpix fills that, that little niche. But the thing that really is cool is that it does 1080p video. And mm. it does it just brilliantly. And it's, itty, it's, it's, it's smaller than a, a pack of cigarettes. If I can even say that anymore. People know what that size is. It's, it's bloody small. Uh, I have a Lexar 16-gigabyte uh, SD in it that goes forever. The battery in that thing lasts forever. You can shoot a 30-minute segment with it. Uh, it's what I have. It's literally attached to. Uh, if you go to my site, you can see I have attached the hot shoe of my camera, and I'm I'm walking through water this week with it, shooting. It does a great job, but the best thing is it's just fun. 
anything that's photographic and fun, I'm I'm for no matter who makes it. Because when you put fun in photography, you always win. That's awesome. That's the that's the Coolpix X nine one zero zero. Essence is in Sam. S, S got it. Ninety one hundred. Got it. It's just K. It just was available in the last uh, ten days. It's, it, you could buy it. It's oh, just okay. it's just a, a, a no brainer. It's not even three hundred bucks. It's just a it's just a it's just so much fun. All right, we'll definitely link to that. And I mean, see every every pick of the week segment. There's something new I got to buy. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Oh, All right. I can make it worse for you if you want. <laughs> no, no, please don't. I mean, I, I, I got a list here, dude. I could chip <laughs> your savings account in a heartbeat. Oh, this stuff. Too much stuff to buy. All right, uh, Mr. Derek Story, uh, we got your Rogue 3-in-1. We got a Coolpix S9100. And my pick of the week is a ebook from our friend over at Craft & Vision, David Dushman. Um, actually, he didn't write this one, but it's uh, from his company, Craft & Vision. It's called The Power of black and white in Lightroom and Photoshop. And it kind of goes hand in hand what we were just talking about in terms of uh, processing and the romanticness, if that's a word, of uh, black and white photography. So he kind of goes into the nuts and bolts of just how to get into Lightroom and pull out the best tonal values and all that magic that goes with black and white from your digital images. And then, of course, you can do it in Photoshop as well. So um, definitely a cool pick and it's the price is right because it's just five bucks that's my nice that is my pick of the week all right um you money for everything else dude <laughs> yeah, i know you know those books they they're my ipad is addicted to those books so whenever they come out they find a permanent place in in my little handheld I, I like the way you phrase it my ipad's addicted to it. it's not my fault <laughs> it's not my fault it's got a it's got a mind of its own haven't you heard <laughs> It but keeps, you know what? That's keeps buying it. apps and music and all this right. stuff. I can't control it. <laughs> Honey, but that's the one the aspect of the iPad I think everybody's missing is it bringing people back to reading. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I you read. Know. That's the that's my number one activity on my iPad is is reading. Whether it's um, you know this is articles from Instapaper or um, you know even books that I keep purchasing all the time. Yeah, anything that gets people to read I think is great. And the iPad, it's it's it's. It's really cool the way that's working. Yeah, yep. And another thing that's on my list of things to buy. Thanks a lot, Moose. <laughs> what? The iPad? Yeah, I, number two. IPad number two, two. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Derek, you if have you... yours already. They sent you one like six months no, before it launched, no, I'm, right? I'm sticking with one. I'm sticking with one. Really? So am I, yeah, so am I, I. Go, I, I go every other. I go every other on these. Ah, look at that. So I don't feel bad. Yeah, no, no, no. no. Moose, you're, you're still on your iPad one, too? Oh yeah, camera on the, on the two sucks. So why even go there? You know, uh, yeah, the one rocks, and I, I, we got four in the office, and they are um, unbelievable tools. You should uh, see what um, David Zeiser is doing with the iPad when it comes to photography. It's what is amazing. He doing? What is he doing? Oh, he's. It's just uh, when it comes to his weddings, he's got it set up, and he did it at Photoshop World where. He can he can put iPads in people's hands, and then the camera takes a picture, and it will instantly transmit that JPEG to the iPad, so you can see the photograph as he takes them. Nice. So for education, it's rocking. From a business model, I mean, Zeiser's Zeiser's got his act together. He goes to a wedding, he puts the iPad in in a, a potential client's hand, and they and they can see instantly what he's producing, and, they, and when it comes to presenting a photograph 
I still think the iPad is like the best thing that's ever comes. It makes your photograph look like a million bucks, even though it's crap. I mean, it just <laughs> is a, it rocks. It's so awesome. if, if you've got a, a, a great photograph, this thing makes it shine. And when it comes to grabbing someone's imagination, doing it right then and there, you make money. Uh, and so he's just taking the iPad and using it as a business tool uh, so beautifully. It's just uh, it's just, you got to just got to get involved with it. It's a great. That's great. That's great, Derek. I know you uh, you you are an addict to your iPad One as well. Yes. Right? Yeah, I love it. And hopefully uh, next week uh, I'll be able to talk about the the direct software or the direct transfer app will be up for the iPad from iFi. The folks at iFi there. Oh. Yeah, I, well, I was hoping it'd go up this week, but we'll, we'll have uh, hopefully we'll have some fun iPad stuff to talk about next week. Very cool. All right, all right, guys. Once again, we've come to the end of another fantastic this week in photo. Uh, Moose Peterson, where are you at online? MoosePeterson dot com. I'm really hidden. All right, <laughs> that's Moose with two O's, right? Derek, that's correct. <laughs> Derek with two R's. Where are you at online? Yeah, <laughs> thedigitalstory.com and uh, working on a fall workshop. So we're going to do fall workshop in October. And so if you're interested, just uh, drop me a note, Derek at thedigitalstory.com. Very cool. And Moose, are you are you at any events or workshops or anything coming up soon? Uh, the next workshop we'll have will be one of our air-to-air workshops at the end of this month in Florida. Oh, cool. Where you, at, where's that at online? Where can people go to find out more about that? Same place, moosepeterson.com. All roads lead to moosepeterson.com. <laughs> Keep it simple, stupid. I, I, <laughs> I use that all the time. Yep, that's awesome. Moose, are you going to be at the Florida Birding and Photo Show at, at the end of the month, the one in St. Augustine? I am not. I'll, oh. be, I'll be with the planes. I'll be with the planes. Very cool. All right, guys. If uh, listeners want to keep up with everything in the This Week in Photo universe, you can just head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to our Facebook fan page, our Twitter page, and more. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Frederick Van, or on Instagram at Frederick Van, or online at frederickvan.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. The show's content contributor is Eric Horton.